welcome to this week's episode of Brain Fart. I am Maddie and I am your host. If you're coming back, hi, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. And if you're new here, welcome to the show. You're, you're in for quite the ride. So this week, I am taking a little bit of a break from talking about advocacy in other areas to talk about advocating for yourself. And this came up as a suggestion from a listener, and they were interested in hearing about my experience with doctors and how I talk to them and how I build a rapport with them and all of that, all of that good, good stuff. And I think I've... I think I've mentioned it in other episodes, but there's never been a central episode dedicated to it. So I think it would be good if I have one location for you to get this information. And obviously, I say this, I think pretty much every episode, and I'll say it again. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I am just a young woman who has had a lot of health experiences and gone through my fair share of things. And it has led me to have certain knowledge (laughs) based off of my own perspective. So I say that because my perspective is not the only perspective and these tips are really helpful for me, but they might not be so much for you, but I hope they are. So that's why I will tell you them. It can be very stressful going into the doctor's office. And I know this because I don't, I have this thing where I get really nervous around authority figures. And in my mind, doctors are a certain authority figure. And so every time I go to the doctor, I feel that kind of, I don't know, feeling. It was any time I got in trouble as a kid, going to the principal, going all that. I guess you could say I was a goody two-shoes. I probably was. I probably am. But I get nervous with that kind of stuff. And the doctors is one of those places for me. I feel like even if I know them, there's always this kind of sense of nervousness that is like eating at me. And so I always try to do a few things before I go. And basically, I guess, basically to every visit, even if I was going like every week, I still did these things. And I know it's hard when you go all the time, or even if you don't go much at all. But I think these things are really helpful. Does that make any sense? I feel like I was on one train of thought and then another train jumped the tracks onto that train of thought and then I finished with that. Hmm. Who knows? (laughs) We'll see. So first things first, it might be silly, but I try to have someone go in with me to the doctors. I try to have either my mom or my partner or a friend or whoever is kind of available to go with me. And I know that's not always an option for most people and it's kind of difficult to have someone go with you, especially if you're going a lot. But I will offer some more tips for that after I say this. But so my first thing is I have someone go in with me. And it's very helpful to have some of like some sort of support system there with you. And especially for me, because I tend to forget things really, really easily. Shout out to that good, good brain condition. Um, But I really forget things very easily. And honestly, a lot of people do. I know my mom, my mom doesn't have a neurological condition, but she forgets things all the time. So it's just something that happens. Or I get really overwhelmed when confronted in any way, as I told you about my, my little issue with authority. Even if it's pleasant, even if they're very nice people, I still get a little intimidated or overwhelmed by it. And it's, it's helpful to have someone with you there. So you don't quite feel as alone in the situation. 
And I, I recommend if you don't have anyone going with you, or even if you do, it's still helpful, but write a list of things you want to talk about. Things can easily be forgotten in those situations, and it helps to keep an agenda of the things you want to talk about. So I, I'll often write down the symptoms I'm having or when I was having them or questions that I have that I make sure I don't forget and I hit all those points. And I don't know, I'm sure if there's doctors listening to this, I don't know if they find this annoying or I don't know. It's not like I'm coming in with the the superiority that, oh, I know, I've already done all the research myself. I know this. It's not that at all. It's me coming in with, hey, this is what I've been feeling. This is when I've been feeling them. It changed. This is how it felt. Because it's sometimes hard when they're asking, well, what's the pain? What's the pain like? And I, I'm like, I don't know. What is the pain like? Is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it aching? I can't remember. But if I have that written down, that's really helpful for me to remember and hit all the points. So I do that even if I have people coming in. And that my mom always told me that. She was always like, write down a list, write down what you're feeling. You're feeling that right now. Put it on your list so we can talk about it so you don't forget it later when we're there. And I I find it very helpful. So I do that. I write a list before I go in, but I also take notes while I'm there. And this is why it's helpful to have someone come with you because you can be fully focused on what the doctor's saying, and then that other person can take notes for you. And that's often what I do is I'll have my partner, Martin, come with me and take notes or my mom. She'll come and she she has a whole note section in her iPad that is Maddie's health. And you can just scroll for days on it. And but it's helpful. It's a whole history of my health. And even if we're sitting there and they have questions, she's able to scroll back through and say, hey, and even though I'm 23, she still does it for me and she still will come in if I'm if I'm in Las Vegas. Obviously, it's hard when I'm in London or New Jersey or New York or wherever I'm at. But when I'm with her, she totally comes with me. And I basically taught Martin how to do the same for me when when he comes with me to my appointments. And yeah, so I think that's really, really helpful. Or if someone can't go with you, I recommend taking notes. And honestly, just having that comfort is really nice for me. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, can you repeat that? Hey, can you explain that a little bit more? That doesn't quite make sense to me. Or can you spell that out so I can look it up later? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This is your health. This is your body. And you need to know what's going on. And so they they should be able to explain it to you. And I'm, I mean, they go through years and years of school. And then it should be they should be able to explain it to you. There, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I think that's helpful to do. And it's also really good because when you go home, you can look back at those notes and see what was written. Because like I said, I forget going in and I forget coming out. It's like this black hole that sucks up all of my memory. <laughs> and I forget what they say to me when I'm there. And so when I get home, I can't remember, oh, what was that thing that she told me about? Or what was that video I need to look up? Or what was this even called? Or what was she saying I should do? And while we have, of course, they'll like write prescriptions or things like that. It's really helpful to have those notes and say, okay, this is what she said about this. And this is what I can do for this. And I think taking those notes is really helpful. I say that or recording, recording the appointment and definitely, definitely ask if you can record them. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about the legality of it. 
I think you can record. I've always been under the impression that you can record things if you want to, if you ask permission of the person you're recording, like classes and stuff, especially if you have learning disabilities that make it hard or make it makes it difficult to take notes. I don't know. I think there is no harm in asking your doctor or someone trusted if you can record them so you can like have that knowledge later and listen back to it. Yeah. Hmm. Let's think on that together. <laughs> but yeah, because not everyone can take notes or not everyone is can write really quickly or type really quickly or do ha- be able to focus on more than one thing at once. That's why I have other people come and take notes for me because I don't know if I'd be able to focus on all of the things happening in that moment. So yeah, there's no no harm in asking if you can do it. And there's no harm in asking someone trusted if they can come and take notes for you or yeah. I think I was talking to my flatmate about this and we were talking about it and I was kind of going through the points I wanted to hit in this episode and he he was like, "Yeah, it is. It's a group effort. It is a community effort and I definitely definitely think it is. And I think it's good to have that group and that community and that kind of family around you to help you do these things. And it, even though it's as simple as going into a doctor's office, but that can be really scary for people and really intense. And there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, ask your people if they can help you out by doing that. Maybe buy them a coffee or don't because friendship is friendship. And you know, if my friend asked me to go to the doctor with them, if I had the time, of course, 100%. But also I'm I maybe have a different perspective on doctor's offices because I've spent so much time in them. Yeah, so that's kind of that area. That's the note-taking <laughs> section. And I know this is silly, but this is my second thing, and it's kind of giving myself a pep talk before going in. I know, I know it's silly. You're like, Maddie, why are you giving yourself a pep talk before you go into a doctor's office? Like, just buck up, go in. But I think it's about reminding myself that I'm valid and that the pain or the symptoms I am feeling are real and I would like to find the answers. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this pain that I'm feeling is real. These symptoms are real. And like, I, I need to get answers and I should get answers. And that's how it should be. And I know personally, I often underplay my pain and suffering. So I don't appear, I don't know, weak. That's such a horrible probably societal thing put on us of like oh no be strong like fight through it fight through the pain if you're strong you can do it um and so I sometimes hold that in in my heart and in my brain and I want to be strong and I don't want to be weak so I underplay my pain where I'm like oh yeah no it's it's really not that bad it's fine and so I don't get the care that I need and they don't think it's (laughs) they don't think it's that big of a deal so they don't put in (laughs) They don't, they put in the effort, but they don't search more because they don't think it's as serious as it is. And I think it's just better to be truthful in these situations and receive the help you need and make sure the doctor completely understands what is being felt. And that's why I think going back to those notes is really helpful because you can write down, okay, yeah, it's a sharp pain and, but it was, it gets dull in the morning and then gets really achy towards the end of the day and you know so you have exactly you have it lined up because a lot of diagnose diagnoses diagnoses I feel like diagnoses that sounds that sounds better 
I think. But a lot of them rely on like timing of the day or certain feelings or the way it feels in your body. So I think, I think that's good. And that's kind of my first part of going in and feeling comfortable in a doctor's office. I'm not really sure what else I can say there because a lot of people have different ways of dealing with anxiety and anxieties like that. But I think those are just some general tips that can be helpful just so you are getting your symptoms and your, not problems, but issues, whatever. That's just another word for problems across as well as receiving the information and keeping that information that you need to go forward. So there's there's that part. And then the next part of the question was finding a doctor that I guess you build a rapport with or that you feel comfortable with. And this this is honestly the hardest part. And it's partly it's partly the reason I take such a long time to find new doctors when I move. I know that's horrible, but I tend to stick with the ones I have because I know I feel comfortable with them. I remember, I think, a teacher or someone asking me in New Jersey, they asked, oh, well, who's your neurologist here? Do you have a neurologist here? Or I think the same in London. And I just, I was like, no, I I do not have, (laughs) I do not have them here because I don't want to have to go through all of the, all of the craziness of finding a new doctor. But when I return to New Jersey, New York, that area, I will be finding a new one because that's probably where I'm going to be ending up living wise. And I will need to have someone there just in case I can't rely on my doctors in Vegas. Okay, that's, that's that. But I tend to, I tend to stick with the ones I have because I know I feel comfortable. Not something I recommend, but I'm learning how to overcome that myself, as I was saying. I know that it might take some time to find someone you like or feel is trusting. There's nothing wrong with going around and finding which doctor you click with. And you know, this is not this is not always easy. It can be emotionally, mentally, and uh, physically draining. But once you find someone, it will be worth it because you will have gone through the effort and you will have someone that you fully and completely trust with your health, which is such an important thing. And I think for me, it was about finding... It was about finding someone who wanted me to feel better. And I I know that might seem simple or silly, but I will give an example. So I was supposed to have surgery to get a shunt implanted in my brain for my pseudotumor. And I was, God, I was about two weeks away from surgery or my pre-op appointment. And that's when I discovered the neuromuscular movement retraining and and that seemed to relieve my pressure. That, yeah, I've talked about that previously, so... If you don't know what that is, you can <laughs> you can search through my l- large catalog of episodes <laughs> to find it. But when I told my surgeon about this, he didn't push me to go through with the surgery. He was just happy to know that I was feeling better. And we were going to check up every few months to make sure that I was still doing well. We were going to check my eyesight ju- to make sure that it wasn't like I was physically being damaged, but feeling better. Because if that was the case, I would have had to go through with it anyways to prevent blindness and all that stuff, all that fun stuff. Um, but it it was such a relief to know that he was okay with taking it one day at a time and he wasn't interested in rushing me into something. And that's that's how I knew he cared more about me than he did about doing just another surgery or just getting another surgery under his belt or having something done. And I know... 
I hope people are like, oh, I've never experienced a doctor like that. I hope because I feel like there are some doctors who are like, oh, just get it done. Just get go through with it because that's going to be inevitable. But, you know, if it doesn't have to happen now, then it doesn't have to happen now. And I have been doing fine without it so far. And who knows, that might change. I might have to get one in the next year or the next 10 years. Who knows? But I think knowing that he was willing to take it one step at a time was really important to me in a doctor. And that made me feel really comfortable. And I think I think it's also helpful finding doctors who are knowledgeable on your condition or conditions if you've already been diagnosed. I know not. I know every a lot of people go to doctors to search for diagnoses. Diagnoses. Dang it! I just don't know. I know people go in searching for these, so it's hard to find a doctor who knows that specific diagnosis because you don't have it yet, obviously, and that can be a little bit difficult. But if you are already diagnosed, it is helpful to find doctors who are knowledgeable. I can't tell you how many times I've been like hospitals or ophthalmologists who just don't know what it is or who said yeah I just googled it um this is what I think and I'm like ooh, ooh. not to not to diss them I know doctors spend so so much time studying and learning but like not everyone can learn every single disease and know it perfectly and know how to treat it perfectly that just seems crazy unless you have some magic photographic memory which some people do but it's that's a that's a lot of information to retain I cannot imagine so I understand when I come in with kind of a little bit more of um, a rare a rarer disease it's hard to find people who know exactly how to treat it but I have an ophthalmologist I found one in Vegas who actually conducted studies on IIH and knew exactly what to look for And he knew that there could be more symptoms than what was actually in textbooks because he had worked with so many people and seen different symptoms arise. And because it's kind of such a weird diagnosis, like you don't, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't follow the textbook. It's not, it doesn't follow the rules of the disease. The disease itself doesn't follow the rules that it should. But it was really nice to have someone who, knew it and who had seen so many people with it because even though I was like you know he would see that there wasn't a ton of pressure buildup then he would see my eyesight getting worse so he would knew something was he knew something was still going on even if it wasn't directly showing up in his tests and I think it was so important having someone be able to know that and see that when helping me out and that is just I think really important when you have when you have a doctor is that they know they know more I think than what is on the surface of it does that make any sense who knows and I talked about and I know it's hard I just I was just talking about this how you want to completely and fully trust doctors but you also have to trust that like people are human and people make mistakes and people don't know everything about everything and you really have to find a specialist and that's why there are specialists in the medical field but then you really have to find a specialist for your for your special <laughs> condition or whatever it is so yeah i know I know that's hard, but I I guess on the other side of it, if you are looking for a doctor or looking for a diagnosis, I think there's nothing wrong with 
going to different ones if one makes you feel uncomfortable. I remember when I found out about my double uteri uteruses, I think I found out it was uteruses and not uteri, um, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of sad. I liked uteri, but what can you do? Um, But when I found out about it, I remember I was seeing this gynecologist and she was checking me out like you do when you go to a gynecologist if you go to a gynecologist. (laughs) I know not everyone listening does. Um, But I remember her saying something along the lines of, or me asking what my chances of getting pregnant were and all of this stuff. And I remember her nonchalantly saying like, oh, I don't know why you're worried. There's surrogacy. There's other options. It's not like you need to have a kid. And I was 17 at the time. And you know, I have come to the conclusion that I probably want to adopt and do other things and figure it out that way and see if I can have a kid and not worry too much about it. That's obviously not something I really have to worry about now at the ripe age of 23. But I remember being so off put by that and just the way it was said. And you know, maybe she was just having a really off day or maybe she was not having a good day herself. But I remember walking out of there and basically just telling my mom, I don't really want to go back there. That made me uncomfortable. That was, I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me. And I didn't, I didn't go back. And even though she was like one of the best gynecologists in the city, I guess I caught her on an off day. But it was like, it was totally my right to say and think, you know what, I got some information but I might look for someone else. And I think when you are searching or even just sick with a cold and your primary care doctor, you're just like, I don't quite feel comfortable with that. I think there's nothing wrong with switching it. And I know that being said, I, I know it's not easy, especially in the U.S. with the way insurance can be. And you, can't, you don't always have the option But I guess to the best of your abilities, you have to stand up and search for someone who's going to work for you and with you to make you feel better. And even if that's just switching a doctor in the practice, if it's within your power or within your um, within your insurance, I know that that's where it gets weird. And the medical field, oh, it's all it's all so wacky. But yeah, so that's that's that. That being said, I also think. I think it's, it's, I think my rule of thumb is it's always helpful to be respectful. You can be respectful, but be assertive. And I think being open and listening and taking in what they say instead of going against them in every way helps build up that rapport. But I don't know, maybe that's just my dislike, my dislike of conflict talking. But I do, I think if you go about it, in that way. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, but you know, I did do some research. And this is what I think. What do you think about this research? Is this something I should trust? Is it something I shouldn't? I th- I don't see anything wrong with that. I Who knows, maybe it'll annoy them. But I think if you go in with an open mind, and you're willing to listen and willing to learn and willing to hear what they have to say and have them hear what you have to say, I think that opens a channel for doctors and patients. And it makes it a lot easier. And I guess not every doctor and not every patient is like this, but I think since we have control of ourselves, we can't control how they're going to react or how they're going to talk to us, but I think we can control how we talk to them. And I think being respectful 
to the best of your abilities uh, abilities is is the better option yeah i think discussion and discovery is good when you're when it comes to doctors and your health and figuring things out and who knows like maybe someone one time is just like the biggest booty hole and like they're the worst and you have to just kind of shrug that off and get out of there but i think in any other situation it it would help to it would help to do that so I guess that's all I really have to say on these topics. I don't. I hope that was helpful in a little bit. It's very hard. It's a very hard topic in discussion. It really worked worked my brain out a little bit to come up with things and think of things, because it is not an exact science in any capacity. It is completely. I don't know. It totally. It has so many factors. It could be the day or the time or the morning that the doctor had or the morning that you had and the way you talk to them or the way you find them or did they just read up on something that just so happens to be the symptoms you're having or maybe I don't know it's there's so many different factors so it's hard to pinpoint it but I I feel like with those tips and tricks even if they some of them were just obvious I think it's helpful to have those reminders and to remember that that we are allowed to have resources and we are allowed to go in and ask questions and get the knowledge we want and have the discussion and have that open channel. And I guess, yeah, going to the doctors doesn't need to be a scary independent thing. Like you're allowed to bring someone to support you and talk to a forum or friends or family before, during, or after. And it it can really be a team effort. You're building a team to help you. Like your doctors, they're your team. Your support system, they're your team. Like this is, this is how you, <laughs> this is how you'll get through it. And whether it's for chronic illness or even just like a viral infection or a cold, like it's okay to have a team and people who you trust and know will help you get better. And I think that is good and important to remember. I think that's all I really wanted to talk about today. So thank you for listening. I hope I say it again, but I do hope that was helpful. Even if just one person was like, oh yeah, I'm going to take notes now. Yes, all the power to you. And I think that's where I'll end it today. I, If you want to reach out, please reach out. I love hearing suggestions. It was so nice to have, it's so nice to have a dialogue with you guys. That's really important to me. And so I think if you want to reach out, please do. (laughs) I don't know why I said I think. If you want to reach out, do it. Uh, You can reach me on email at brainfartpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're on Instagram, uh, I'm brainfartpodcast. And you can direct message me or find me on Facebook. I'm also brainfartpodcast. And you can message me on iMessage through, through that. And yeah, I think... I think that's all. It's all my forms of communication. So hopefully you have one of those things. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, then you have connection to internet, but who knows? Yes, on that note, (laughs) I will leave you and I will speak to you. I will speak to you. I will talk to you again in two weeks. I hope you have a great whatever time it is, wherever you are. Bye.